Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Christian Woodford. So Christian is a strength and conditioning coach who spent the last 16 years in sport performance, owning his own facility where there's loads of different injury rehab going on, including injury prevention as well. So who better today to discuss how you can reduce the injury risk in sport through strength training. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Christian onto the show. So Christian, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. What an honour to have you here. Matt, Matty, excited to be on, mate. I've followed you guys for a long time, so excited to be on. And um, yeah, thanks for letting me uh, come on and uh, talk shop. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. So for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, okay. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Christian Woodford. I am the owner of Woodford Sports Science Consulting. We are a performance centre here in Melbourne, Australia, we train, look, you name an athlete, you name a sport, we have trained at pro, semi-pro, amateur, weekend warrior. Um, we're coming up on 10 years of doing it. Um, we're a very holistic um, p- performance, and in terms of we've got performance coaches, we've got performance physio, I've got a performance uh, osteo, I've got a performance diet uh, nutritionist, um, I'm look- I'm getting a performance uh, uh podiatrist in as well just to make it a little bit, little bit more holistic these days um looking at the foot ankle complex very important as well so we're very holistic at woodford and i've um, been doing it nearly 10 years september 13 this year so um i've been doing this a long time 16 years since i was 19 uh, probably 19 years old even even younger 18 i've got a degree in um, exercise science i've got honors in exercise neuroscience looking at um street training power development and um how to overcome a strength plateau and higher train lifters looking at what we call Transcranial magnetic stimulation, so pretty much stimulating the frontal lobe um, and getting what we call an EMG response. And um, that was really good in my honours. I started a master's, but Woodford got too busy, so I kind of put that on the back burner. And um, yeah, this just led to pretty much um, uh, developing Woodford into the brand that it is today, the worldwide brand it is today. And I'm really proud of what we've achieved. Absolutely excellent, mate. That is whistle stopping. You've got a lot of uh, a lot of different experience in there. Um, and like you said, there's a, there's a lot of different injury stuff going on at Woodford s and And that's what we're going to discuss yeah, oh. today. Um, obviously, we're not, not Matt, athletes Matty, getting injured. That's not... <laughs> no, 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 no. What I mean by that is we, we get my, – my company started just purely out of – like when you're a coach, Matty, you know you just it's injury reduction, it's athlete performance. Um, but really, these days, most of my business, for, for me anyway, I get a lot of the, the athletes that are injured. And the long – Matty, the long-term injuries. Like the, I get a lot of ACLs, hamstrings, lower back shoulders you know you name it i've done it so i'm excited to have this talk absolutely excellent mate so for for those athletes who um do come in injured what yep. what's the importance of that injury to them so what what does it cost them in terms of time money training quality um yeah potentially career uh prospects how what does it cost injury well it, it costs a fair bit because the way i said we train a lot of athletes that are um either go to college or in for, for, for you, Matthew, you're from the UK, so I'll try and get this in, everyone can understand. We train a lot of um, young athletes who could go to the next level of their sport. So for me, you think about it, the best, and I, I use one of my mates here who says this all the time, Graham Morris, the best ability is availability. Now, if, if you're not on the park playing football, playing soccer, which you guys call football, I call it soccer, <laughs> playing uh, gridiron, um, you're not going to be able to get picked up by these college teams, by these professional athlete teams, because you're not showing them what you can do. So the cost on it, it's massive. Not only financial, but emotional, but also the, the time that they have to put in. You look at an ACL these days, and with ACL injuries, I'm really big on um, 
conservative management these days. So giving conservative managers a shot and if they're COPA. So for anyone out there who doesn't understand this, with the ACL, the research is showing a lot now. The ACL can actually heal itself. You don't have to go through surgery. You can actually do what we call conservative management, exercise-based rehab, pretty much just normal strength conditioning and strengthening structure around the knee, and they can actually come back to sport. Now, for everyone out there who doesn't understand this, I've done this with at least 15 athletes right now, and not not just any athletes, um, multi-directional field-based sport athletes, football athletes have come back to their sport, performing at high levels and having no issues. So what, what I'm saying is they don't have an ACL. They still have their lateral collateral, medial collateral, PCL, meniscus, bursa intact. Everything's intact apart from the ACL, and they've come back and performed, and they feel better without an ACL. I've had an athlete, a football athlete who came to me, Maddie, who ruptured his ACL. He had a he had surgery, ruptured again when he came back, did a full rehab with a physio and other SSC, not with me. Then his mum called me up because she heard about me and she said, listen, can you give this a shot? He wants to come play in the grand final in eight weeks. <laughs> I rehabbed him. I got him stronger. He came back, played the final, uh, grand final. And I had people from his team, his head coach, called me up saying, what have you been doing with him? <laughs> He's jumping high, running quicker, and he just feels better with an ACL. But some athletes can't do that. He can. He's Copa, and you give it a shot. But I think more athletes need to give um, exercise-based rehab, especially with injuries like that where people think you have to have surgery straight away. I reckon they should give it a shot first because pre-surgery strengthening is critical. I can't tell you how – you know that. It's so important because it decreases um, time to come back to sport. But not enough athletes buy into strength work pre-surgery, and it's very important to do. But there's just one example for you, Matty, for everyone out there, how you can actually come back to sport – without an ACL, as long as you're really focusing, you double down on that strengthening work. But a lot of athletes, they, they don't understand the importance of strength training and power, strength and power development for um, preventing injuries. Not enough of them do it, and also rehab as well. So when, when we come on to that um, prevention, like how, yep. how can we uh, prevent injuries um, and where, where does that come from? Does it come from stuff like uh, strength training, power training? Does it come from better yep. monitoring? What are the things yep. that we can do to make sure that athletes are getting injured less? Yeah, okay, a few things on this. Um, been doing this a long time. And uh, as you know, experience develops what you really think. And, and for a long time, you know, I used to think that um, obviously there's two types of injuries for everyone out there, right? There's preventables and non-preventable. Now, example for everyone out there, a preventable, um, uh, uh, a preventable injury for me is anything like a non-contact soft tissue injury. So, example, for everyone knows out there, um, hamstring strains, um, uh, like an ACL that's cutting, changing where someone's not like, um, you're not like getting uh, grabbed and twisted, like turned into that poor position that we don't like to the knee. Um, that's that's preventable. The non-preventable is something like a contact-based injury. Look, as much as we'd like to prevent it, we can't. It's unfortunate. I've got an athlete right now who um, his shoulder got dislocated by some uh, athlete that literally pretty much punched his shoulder out. Oh. He's going for, apparently he's going for the ball, but he literally punched his shoulder out. You just can't, that's just unfortunate just how it is. Yes, we can build structural stability, but this guy was a big, strong bloke and he punched him in the shoulder, his shoulder came out. That's just, you can't pre- really prevent that. You can obviously prevent in terms of strengthening as much as you can to the, shoulder, uh, the posterior chain, uh, upper back and strengthen the shoulder, but that's just unlucky. So that's a, a, non, uh, a really a non-preventable, any contact-based injury. So um, you need to look at both of them and say, okay, well, where as strength and conditioning coaches can we make a big impact? And I think there's two, two thoughts to this. I can't tell you enough how strength, just a little bit of strength, can decrease the chance of any injury, a, a, non, a preventable injury, non-contact-based injury. It, it, it plays such an important part. And there's so many people go around and they talk about, okay, well, what, what like in terms of what level of strength are we talking about? Are we talking about 
percentage of their body weight. We're going to say, look, they have to be at 1.5 times body weight, up to two times body weight. For me, it depends on the individual, it depends on the sport. But I'll tell you this for all your listeners out there. I can't express how important just general strength development is for athletes. Critical. I have seen athletes come to me injured and just getting them a little bit stronger. And I'm not talking about two times bodyweight squat deadlift. I'm not talking about that. But just a little bit stronger. And in terms of um, movement comps, they're just moving a lot better in the gym and, and how they how, how they move. Because at the end of the day, joint angle body position dictates muscle recruitment patterns. So how they move their body shape. Can they control the knee? Can they drive up to the positive? Stuff like, stuff like this. If they can move better and a little bit of strength, that, that's going to decrease the chance of injury greatly. So that's the first part in terms of in the gym work, getting a little bit stronger. The second part is the monitoring parts are really important as well. So in understanding load and load management, so in terms of um, how much they train per week, are we building their loads up slowly? So if you look at Tim Gabbard's research on, on load monitoring, I don't mind Tim and what he does, um, but if you look at load development, I think what we do, um, high loads aren't a bad thing. It's how we get to load. And this is where continuity in training, Maddie, is so important, I believe. And this is what I say to my, my athletes, is you can do all the work you want. And this is why athletes need to train all year round. For everyone out there, if they're not training all year round and you're, you're building loads slowly and then you're building high chronic loads and you can hold those loads throughout the season or you can try and develop them as much as you can when you have certain peaks and troughs, that's so important. So this is where the monitoring comes in and understanding your athletes. And Maddie, we talked off camera before about getting to know your athletes which is so important. That's the art of being a coach. You can have all the science. Where What we do is half science, half art, but it's really important to know your athletes because you can have all the data you want. You can all do all the wellness testing. You can do um, all the, you can have all the GPS reports. You can have all the heart rate monitoring. You can have all the HRV. You can have the sleep data. You can have all this stuff, which is great for quantitative analysis. But my question to everyone out there, are you using it for your programs to modify it? But I think that's the first thing because at the end of the day, you need to be able to modify it. You know, I always say to my uh, coaches that at Woodford, six, seven of them, is when the frying pan's hot, we cook. When the athlete feels good, let's, let's load them. When they feel a bit, little bit, um, they might be a bit tired. And, and also another thing is, training's not the only stress they're going to have. You and I talked before is, you know, family life. Do they have kids? Do they, you know, they've got a significant other? Do they have a job on the outside, especially if they're not professional yet? These are all stresses as well. So this is where you've got to get to know the athlete with the monitoring, with the, with the objective data. And then the, sep- the art of it is getting to know your athletes. Like example would be, you might have an athlete that's so up and about all the time, but he's coming to you, into your session, Matty. He's a bit down. He, he comes in quieter. That's a perfect red flag, but you don't need fucking, sorry about my name, but you don't need, you know, the data to tell you that there's obviously something going on. Go up and talk to them. Okay, well, they might have had a fight with their girlfriend. So with that particular athlete, that's a stress. So to minimise the chance of any injury for the next game is let's, 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 let's modify that session. Instead of doing a max strength session, let's do a more recovery parasympathetic. Let's do more mobility session. Let's do an activation session. So they're still getting a little bit of load, but it's not as much It's not as much neural stress as they're going to get from a max strength or a power session. But we're still getting a little bit of load through them, more of a recovery session. And that's going to affect, that's going to give them more um, more benefit than any other stress and where they're, where they're kind of anywhere they're, they're low in their central nervous system um, uh, readiness. And that's going to that's gonna help them with um, any prevention programs that w- we do as well. So really, Maddie, it's a combination of, of monitoring of the art, and of the strength-based work, just that little bit of strength, get, getting them move well, and then integrating with their sport as possible. At the end of the day, Matty, you know this just much, and credit to you who, who, who they projected uh, three, four gold medals, uh, three, four medals. Now you, you got 19. So that's a credit to your program. I'm not saying wins and losses everything, but you're obviously doing something right. 
and that's called environment because at the end of the day, the, my number one thing is team culture and training culture is number one. And then integrating with the sport. The sport is always one because if you can't play the sport, I can't train, I can't turn apples into oranges of their sport. I need high, I need the best athlete in their sport and then we develop them physically, mentally, and then we're going to, we're going to give them the best product. And that's our job. But you can't, you can't always forget out the number one um, uh, focus for all athletes is their sport. Don't, don't get me twisted. We don't run a physical preparation program. We run a sporting program at the end of the day. You know, that's their focus is to get that. We want to get them physically robust and ready for their sport so we can give the skills coaches the, the, the best athlete they can have. And also, Matthew, for you, I think um, for what you're doing and the, the medals you're getting, you should be paid more, brother. You should be getting um, more uh, more money because you're doing it. No, seriously, you're doing a good job, and, and I respect that. So, well done to you. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much, Just buddy. a plug for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, hope the boss is listening. Um, yeah, well, mate, send it to the boss, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll stick that one on, uh, on the CV. Excellent. But um, <laughs> enough about my uh, insufficient salary. Um, what, uh, <laughs> what when you're when you're uh, training these guys, right? You're, you're looking to develop yeah. uh, strength, power, whatever. Yeah. What, what does that look like in the gym for you? Like, how do you yeah. how do you go through a session? What kind of stuff yeah. are you going to be working on? Yeah, okay, so I'm very, I'm very simplistic, Coach. I think simplistic wins hands down. Um, people talk about complex. What is complex? Doing the basics at a high level. I think if you, for me, the first thing is, when an athlete comes to you is, right, you need to look at their training age, right? And their training age for most athletes is a lot lower than what they say. Oh, but I can squat this much. And when they squat, Matt, they'll get on the bar, you know this, and their squat pattern's horrendous. Poor ankle mobility, trunk comes forward, they get rotation. Most of the time, they lift it too heavy. So the first thing is, when I get any athlete in the gym, is I'll say to them, show me a hinge, show me an RDL, show me a squat pattern. So just a squat pattern, full range of motion in your body weight. Literally no load. Show me that. Show me a push-up, show me and show me a chin-up. They're the main – I just want to see how they move on that, first of all. And that's with no weight, just to see, because generally speaking, most athletes, male athletes – overshoot what they can do. Female athletes undershoot what they can do. So male athletes generally think they're oh, in the gym, I'm a beast. Okay, well, show me just a bodyweight squat. Show me an RDL with a bit of weight on it. Show me a chin-up with your bodyweight. Show me how, how you chin-up. And I'm looking for good motor control. I'm looking for good range of motion. Um, obviously, if they've got a hip impingement like an FAI, I'm not going to squat them full range of motion, but I'll squat them to a box or what range they feel we can modify and they feel good, we'll do that. Um, but generally speaking, I just want to see really good motor control, so really good movement quality. Um, and then and then from there, what is their training age? Because and they're going to start with all my guys, even my um, professional athletes. They'll start at one, like level one with me, and how quickly they could progress is based on their movement and their criteria subjectively, I see how they move. So obviously an athlete who's really well-trained is going to move through my criteria a lot quicker than some athlete that hasn't been trained before or hasn't been trained well. So if you get a novice athlete, right, for everyone, for everyone out there, um, a novice athlete is someone who's never trained before, right, their winner adaptation is massive. And what I mean by that is their genetic ceiling is quite large compared to an athlete who's trained for four, five, six years at a high level. Their winner adaptation is quite small. So you get a novice in, any stimulus is going to give good benefit to, to develop strength, power, and speed. So I get a novice in, Matty, and literally just teach them how to move, teach them the body position, um, teach them uh, shapes in the gym. They're going to get stronger. They're going to, and concurrently, they're going to get more powerful and they're going to get quicker as well. They're going to get all that adaptation in strength, power, speed is, is, is neuromuscular, is anaerobic. They're going, to, they're going to get better across the board. 
once your training age increases and the wind adaptation decreases, training needs to get more specific to the needs that you want. So I always say this to people. The closer training task, the motor skill, the grade transference. The closer training task, the performance measure, the grade transference. So example, right? Let's say you've got an athlete who's a two times body weight squat and deadlifter, right? So he's quite comp- he's quite competent. He moves good weight. And, and I don't mean, I mean good movement speed on the concentric. I'm not talking about grinding out reps. My athletes never miss their reps and will really focus on good quality bar speed. So most of my athletes who can do 1.7 times a deadlift and squat, um, they've got really good bar speed, um, really good bar speed to the concept. It's not, they're not grinding out reps. So it's very important. So once they get an athlete like that, once they're at that level of strength, getting stronger from that point will you not yield the benefits they want. So the risk is, is going to far outweigh the reward because the two most important adaptations we're looking for as coaches for field, based, court based, field and court-based sport, or really any sport in general, is, is power, rate of force, arm, elasticity, stiffness, and speed work, especially in their field court based sport, because um, they've got to they've got to sprint, they've got to run, they've got to jump, they've got to land, they've got to change direction. So power adaptation is very important. Rate of force development, elasticity, stiffness, and speed work. So they're, they're the two most important adaptations. We use strength to maximise power and speed because I look at strength as a cup. The higher the maximal strength, the higher power, power and speed um, uh, potential. Really. So you've got an athlete who's two times whatever, one point seven five, two times body weight squatter. Getting them stronger from that point will not transfer to power and speed anymore. That's when we're going to be more specific with our programming. So what, what I look at doing is that's when we start adding in, well, we'll add in speed work early on to teach them. Um, I, I do a, what we call a long to short approach. Uh, so a short to long approach in our speed work. So we start more 10 metres and we let their body adapt up and we, we get to 30, 40, even top end speed. We look for that. But what we want to do with our program with those highly trained athletes, we want to hit our, our, our speed work first. We might, in the session, we'll do some um, uh, uh, jumps and plyos. Then we'll do our high load work, so our loaded jump to our Olympic lifts. Then fourth of all is our max strength work. It's still important. It still facilitates the cup that we want because once our max strength decreases, our power and speed potential decreases. But the focus is more on that power, um, uh, the, sp- the high velocity work first. Then we go into our jumps and plyos. Then we go into our load, um, our high load power work, our, our um, loaded jumps and Olympic lifts. Then we go into our strength work, which um, could be a combination of it could be squatting, it could be deadlifting, uh, hip dominant, quad dominant work, hip dominant work. For some athletes, we don't even do bilateral work. We might focus on quad dominant, only quad dominant work. So it might be like a single leg unilateral Bulgarian split squat. Um, it might be a single leg RDL, something like that. Anything where we're loading the posterior chain heavy off single leg, we'll do that. Depends on the athlete and what they need. So that's the process we'll go through in terms of looking for re- uh, reducing injury. It really depends on that, uh, that, that training age and what, what they need out of it. I think that's a super clear and it's a really nice structure that you've gone through there as well to make sure that if people potentially um, don't have coaches, that they can yeah. kind of, no, not copy and paste, but they can have that structure and fill yeah. those blocks in with different yeah. pieces of uh, information, so different exercises to help themselves yeah. actually um, yeah, get, get the most out of their, their athletic careers. But yeah. When, yeah. It yeah. Comes, yeah. when it comes to those athletes who don't have a coach, is, yep. is there anything else that they can do um, if they, if they want to yeah, make sure that they're getting some gains, they're reducing their yep. injury risk, but yep. they don't have someone there with them to guide that process? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, listen, for anyone out there, the best way you can do it, especially if you're in a, in a team-based sport, is go to the gym and just focus. Instead of focusing on, okay, first of all, when you split your – my personal opinion is in season, right? Let's just – I could go on for years about this, but – 
depending when you are you in the off season, pre season, in season will dictate your programming in terms of your frequency and also your set your, your loading parameters as well. So let's just say for argument's sake, it's you're a team based sport athlete, um, and you're um, just let's say you're in the pre-season period, so your frequency can be a little bit higher because you don't have to worry about competition too much. Um, and you just want to just generally, the be- you just want to reduce your chance of injury. The best, um, uh, the best advice I can give you if you don't have a coach is literally, first of all, um, if you're going to split your program, first of all, don't split your program into body, um, uh, uh, into body parts. That's the most... Uh, so many athletes still do that. They, it's you're not bodybuilders. You're not gonna, tr- you know, ice, You don't have to isolate your muscle just to ma- maximize the look. It's not for aesthetics; it's performance. So the first thing, if you're gonna split, split upper and lower, or split full bodies. For anyone who doesn't have a coach, just do a full body program or an upper, upper and lower. And here's the advice I can give you: instead of focusing going to the gym, let's say for let's say it's a lower body session, right? Instead of doing what most athletes do, they'll do ten exercises, and you have no quality whatsoever. It's all about quantity for them, and that's going to make you tired. Great, but that's not going to make you better. How about this? Go to the gym, lower body session, focus on these movements. RDL, hinge pattern. Start with that, right? Because that's a progression for our progression for our Olympic lift for our cleans, right? So let's start an RDL, right? Then second movement, squat, right? It could be a squat or a deadlift, right? So hinge pattern, RDL. Second second movement to core bilateral movement. Could be a squat or a deadlift for lower body strength, right? The third, the, the third movement will be a supplementary. Because we did a bilateral quad movement, we'll do a supplementary hip dominant movement, like a hip thrust. It might be a single leg RDL or a split stance RDL. Um, that's that's um, example for you guys. If you did a deadlift bilateral, which is our core movement, you'll do a supplementary quad dominant, which could be um, a split squat. It could be a step up. It could be um, a, uh, it could be anything like um, a reverse lunge, anything like that, which is a supplementary movement. That could be if that's if you did whatever you did bilaterally supplementary will be the opposite. So let's say quad dominant squat, bilateral um, uh, supplementary hip dominant. If it's a bilateral hip, um, hip dominant, uh, like a deadlift, supplementary will be quad dominant. So that's the third movement. Then the fourth movement will be a core movement, right? So that's only four movements, man. That's all they need to do, man. Because I see programs that have 10 exercises, 10. Oh, there could be any quality. There's none. So with this, because you don't have a coach, focus on mastering these four movements, RDL, squat, Hip thrust, pallet press, could be anything like or a carry, something like that. That's how simple it is. You don't need to do 10 exercises. So if you don't have a coach, keep it as simple as possible. Those four moves are lower. Then you could do an upper body session the next day, which could be like this. It could be anything like a primer, like a med ball slam, a chest press, a chest med ball chest pass, um, wood, uh, wood chop. It could be a rotational hip toss. Anything that develops rate of force around the upper body, primes the upper body, perfect. Then you then you can add in um, the second movement will be your core your second and third moves will be your core movements. You do a bench press or a, um, a, a, a row, whatever you're pushing in a pull. So push pull, and then you do the same thing vertical. So that's a horizontal push pull. Could be an overhead press and a chin up, and that's four movements as well. So um, uh, explosive horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical. So there's five, right? And mastering those five. So if you don't have a coach, my best advice: keep it simple as possible. Split the program into full body, upper and lower, instead of just focusing on chasing fatigue and chasing um, uh, more exercises. Because yeah, okay, you might be more tired after more exercises, but it's not about tight, it's not about making you tired, it's making you better. And everything's about stimulus to, to, to uh, uh, what we call a positive stimulus, so we can yield positive adaptation. So that's really, that's the best advice I can give to anyone listening, is keep it simple and stop, stop focusing on chasing fatigue 
and fo- stop focusing on a thousand exercises, which you're not having any quality, and focus on four to five done at a high level. I think that's absolutely excellent advice, mate. And before we leave, because I'm conscious that you need to go and uh, do important coaching stuff, I want to ask yep. you one last question, and that is, yep. are there types of training that athletes should not be doing? So is there anything that you think that is absolute yep. rubbish? Why yep. on earth are you wasting your time and effort on that? Matt, Matt, go to my Instagram page. <laughs> Check my Instagram out. Matt, 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 yeah, yeah. I have this thing, right, of sports-specific training, right? Now, for yeah. everyone out there, I'm so glad you've got a big reach, you guys, because I'm going to tell you this, right? Please, for the love of God, stop. Stop doing training in the gym that is sports specific. And what I mean by this example, right? If you want to go to my um, uh, <laughs> Instagram and look at the, the last post I did on sports specific training, I have this thing. What people like to do, they think their sport is special in every way. So that they that means they should replicate the skill in the gym. Example is this: I have they had a jockey on a Bosu ball flipped over an unstable surface doing the skill of being a jockey. Now, in what world, like, that is the worst type of training. The reason why I say that, Matt, is this. Doing the skill, athletes do it enough in their sport. So what I mean by that is when they're training, they're they're executing the skills of their sport, and that's the way it should be because they're developing the specific muscle group, motor pain, atomic coordination, and metabolic pathway. That is the only way of sport-specific training. Going to the gym and loading your exercises, and yes, there is some times you can load the exercise, but I'll tell you this. Be very, very careful. The nervous system, which I know very well, is very highly refined. If you start loading it heavy or heavy or changing the motor pattern, the skill, you're going to regress the athlete and make them. Um, you're going to make them. Uh, you're going to decrease their performance. Moreover, you're going to increase the chance of injury because you change the motor pattern, the skill. The skill is number one. The minute you start changing around the skill, you're going to be in trouble because they're going to become less efficient, less efficient with the skill, and they're going to, their skill, um, skill performance will drop off. The minute that, they does, that happens, you've regressed the athlete potential. Your job is to maximize athlete potential. Your job is their athlete performance. Your job is their reduced chance injury. Your job is not to regress it. And this is where there's a fine line, Matt, and people bring up Vachansky's dynamic correspondence. There's a fine line between specific and general. Just please, for anyone listening, do not, do not walk that line. Be very careful. Now the fundamentals of the gym. Use the gym as a way to develop maximal outputs. Okay, get strong, get powerful, get robust in the gym, and then integrate with the skill. Be very careful where you trod the line. Now, anyone out there who doesn't know Matt, you'd know him. You know Stephen Jones, the creating uh, S and C coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm, st- coach. I'm still trying to get him on the podcast. Talk to him. He came to my gym and did a workshop. I can talk to him for you, but he's brilliant, Matt. He is brilliant because he has the. He's he, he's got both he's on both camps skill based coach strength conditioning coach he can do that so the the, the ro- rebuttal I get is oh but Stephen Jones does it Stephen Jones is S and C coach understands S and C very very well has a very good understanding of motor learning skill position a very good understanding of neurological a- a- underpinnings and he's a skill based coach he can do that because he knows the technical tactical understanding of body position for the skill for any of us like the us Maddie for general S and C coaches. You can walk that line, yes, no doubt, but you better be very, very careful because once they get to a certain point, yeah, I understand that the close to, um, once they're at a high training age, you want to be more complex, more specific, but what does that even mean? I mean, for me, more specific means lifting heavier weight at a quicker movement speed with better technique. That's what it means. Use the gym to increase, increase maximum outputs, get strong, get powerful, get robust, 
and then let them integrate with the skill so they can use that new strength, that new power, that new speed with the skill. And I promise you, if you do that, you focus on the fundamentals, you focus on the basic, and then you let them train their skill, I guarantee you their performance will improve. And I guarantee you the chance injury decreases the non-contact soft tissue injuries. I've, I've seen it for the last 16 years of my life. Every time, Matty, I've, I've strayed away from the, the basics, it, it, either their performance decreases or injury chance increases. I've seen it happen, Matty, every time I do that. And that's why these days, I say to people all the time, there's nothing wrong with being a coach. And these days, Matty, you've seen social media, it's, it's, a, it's a clusterfuck of coaches who, the reason why coaches go to these sports-specific gurus or athletes do it is because they know that they're going to get traction online. They're going to get more clients for people who don't understand the fund. Now, the fundamentals of sports science, fun, applying fundamental sports science principles in a practical sense, and, and then just doing the fundamentals at a high, high level. That's the best coaches in the world. Not these coaches who do gimmicky bullshit and like a circus trick. That doesn't. That's you're not going to get any benefit. You're, you're not going to get any transfer of the athletic environment from this. Moreover. The chances of you regressing athlete are going to be higher. But the reason why that sells, Matthew, is sexy. What you and I do isn't sexy. T Matt, if I had to tell an athlete, you're going to have to hinge, squat, push, pull. Um, you're going to have to condition. You're going to have to mobilize. You're going to have to recover for the next 10 to 15 years. And that's all you're going to do. And all I'm going to do, Matthew, is I'm going to modify the exercise based off Front, we'll go front squat, back squat. We're going to change the height of the box, the range of motion. We're going to deadlift. We're going to we're going to we're going to deadlift for the trap bar. We're going to go high handles. We're going to go low handles. You know, split squat. You're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to keep it. That's all we're going to do. If you ever tell an athlete that, they're going to go, "Well, I don't want to do that because that doesn't look sports specific." Where I'm going to do this circus trick. Most of them choose that. But for us, it's an educational process to say, "No, stop doing all these gimmicky exercises. Do not do sports specific training in the gym because you're going to change your aggressive athlete potential of them." And the chance of they're getting injured are going to get higher. Don't do that type of training. Focus on knowing the fundamentals, simplistic works. There's something beautiful about a coach coming out, talking simplistic, doing the fundamentals, right? That's beautiful for me. Nailing my big six, hinge, squat, push, pull, vertical, um, horizontal. Nailing those six hands, strong and robust on them, lifting heavyweight quick, and just doing that and then integrating the skill. That's so much better, Matty, than doing all this bullshit sports-civic training. And for Christ's sake, sports-civic training, I don't know about you, Matthew, but do Athletes don't play sport on BOSU balls. They don't run on BOSU balls. They don't push, um, they don't wheelchair on BOSU balls, unstable surface. They do it on stable surface. They're applying force in the ground. So for me, it's stupid. Stay away from that training. Now the basics. I cannot tell you. You can see I'm passionate about this, Matt. You can see I'm very <laughs> A little <passionate>. bit, yeah. <laughs> but because I'm sick of it, Matt. I've been doing this, I've been doing this, this career for 16 years. And for these people, these individuals to come out and piss on something I love, Matt, I'll die for this career. I love this, like you do. Like we all do. Who, if you listen to this podcast, you love S and C. We love it. And for these people to come on and do that, and then take the piss out of something we love, we look like circus perform tricks. We don't do that. This is my profession. You know, we're all educated. You know, not, and you don't have to be educated to be good coach. You and I both know this, Matt. But for me, education is the 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 the, the um the the foundation of our careers. That gave me the foundation. I'm not saying there's everything, but it gave me our foundation. Then I had the experience of 16 years to know me what, what works in the real world, what doesn't. And now I'm at a level where I look at this and I go, Jesus, fuck. Not only are they regressing these athletes by doing this type of training, but it's just a waste of time because everything we do is risk versus reward. There, you're getting no reward from that training. It's just stupid training. You might as well just focus on not doing SNC and all and just focus on the sporting skill because you can get more transference because that's 100% transference, your sporting skill. Don't load, the, don't load the skill in the gym. Focus on now on the basics, maximum outputs, Get them stronger, get them more robust, get them more powerful. I keep saying the same message. Then integrate the skill. And I promise you, all your listeners out there, Matty, 
they're going to get better at the sport. Absolutely excellent, mate. I think that's a, a fantastic way to finish the podcast. I think it's about time Beautiful. you got yourself a chamomile tea because otherwise you're going to be uh, stressed out for your client in a minute. Oh, but, mate, um, fuck it, man. I love this stuff, man. I could talk to you all day, man. Listen, if you want to do a part two, I'll give you a part two because I think 30 minutes with me is not enough. I could talk years. I think you know that. Let's do let's do a part two on sports-specific training. I think that one will go down well. Hey, buddy, do one. We'll do one on sports because, man, I want to talk about it. I want to excellent, give your listeners... Mate as much quality info so no one does that I'd love to do it absolutely excellent so uh, Christian massive thanks for your time and effort today I really appreciate it and uh, yeah we're going to get that one in the books for uh, for the near future done thanks mate appreciate it cheers buddy see you and that's it once again a massive thanks to Christian for all of his hard work on today's podcast I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too before you leave I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy my Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks so if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more great sports science and strength and conditioning information, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes and you can get into the Coach Academy completely for free for seven days. So click that link in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you can give us a like, a share and a recommendation. If you could recommend it to a coach, a colleague, a friend or even an athlete. That would be absolutely fantastic. It means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science of Sport. And I'll speak to you next week.